are not alone. Welcome to The Clark and Linda Show. This is our real relationship, experiencing change after addiction and betrayal. We're learning to connect, to feel safe and confident in marriage. And you can too. Welcome to the Clark and Linda Show. Today, it's been a while. So the last one we recorded in our closet. Yes, we did. Um, because It was your favorite. It was my favorite. <laughs> it was your favorite too. It didn't take me as long <laughs> to get ready. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. Um, I like being in the studio though too. It's true. It is kind of nicer for others. <laughs> really. Let's be honest. Um, okay, today we are talking about sharing with family. Um, so if you're noticing like a pattern, uh, you're right. We feel like sharing has blessed our life so much that I think we keep talking about it. So if you haven't done the homework in the past, it's not going to be that different from today. So I apologize. But I don't apologize because sharing is awesome. So with that... Um, I wanted to uh, just, like, share a quote that I found from Brene Brown today. I'm going to call her Sister Brene Brown because she's awesome. And she's my sister, dude. Hold on. Let's see if we <laughs> pick the same quote no, again. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Um, she just posted it today on oh, social okay. media, so I don't think you have it. But um says, it's not fear that gets in the way of showing up. It's armor. It's the behaviors we use to self-protect. We can be afraid and brave at the same time. I know what you're thinking. So now she's not talking about not putting on the armor of God, of course. She wouldn't say that. That's essential. But I think the armor that she's talking about means like the walls and chains the adversary has convinced us to use around protecting our pride. Um. And I love that she says that we can be afraid and brave at the same time. If you go back, if you just pause just a minute, you can probably think of times where you were afraid and brave at the same time. Um, and to me, that means that we can be afraid of taking the next step in our recovery or healing. Uh, but we can also be brave enough to trust the Lord, to trust him to make our burdens light and to trust him to bear us up with angels around us. And so I wanted to kind of ask you, like, what, um, like, how was it for you when you, you know, were sharing, um, when you were first sharing and maybe preparing for, um, preparing for sharing. So I know you've prepared stuff, so I want you to talk about that, but that's just kind of like what I was wondering and maybe you'll cover it in what you prepared. So I I do have some thoughts on that and, and we'll get to them. And maybe if I don't answer your question entirely, we can talk about it after the homework and come back to it. Um, uh, I, I like that quote though, that you can be afraid and brave at the same time. It reminds me of another quote and I'll probably butcher it because it's not on my notes, but, uh, there's another quote that says something to the effect of, uh, courage is not the lack of fear or the absence of fear. I think courage is not the absence of fear, but moving forward in spite of fear. Right. And, and so you can be afraid and brave at the same time, right? Uh, Being brave is going forward with what you know you're supposed to do, even though you feel afraid. And I think, um, I like that. Um, I just realized we forgot to start our timer. So I'm going to start really quick nice. before I start going. That's a good idea. Maybe a little bit off, but at least we'll have somewhat of an idea of where we're going. It's perfect. Okay. Um, so I will, I will get to your question. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of address this. Um, and again, like you said, uh, some of this might sound a little redundant, but that's, you know, the, the gospel is redundant. It's a, a gospel of repetition. And I think part of, um, I, I think a huge reason for that, Satan's biggest tool um, is to get us to forget, to forget who we are, to forget what we're supposed to do. And that's why we covenant every week to always remember. Um, and so as we repeat those things, it helps us always remember. And I think that that's, you know, that's why we go over stuff so much. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, three things, though. Uh, that's kind of how I broke it down. 
Uh, I want to start out and talk about why um, it's important to tell your family or why we think it's important, um, uh, how you should do it, and then maybe uh, a little bit kind of my experience um, and, and the reaction of our family and some of that. Um, okay. So, and, and maybe we'll even leave that third part for after we talk about homework and, yeah, maybe and go into that. that works out that way. Um, so let's start off with um, why you should tell your family. Um, Satan, uh, we, we've said it before, and I'm sure we'll say it again. Satan loves secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves shame. He wants us to feel ashamed of the things that we've done. As long as he can keep us in those secrets, and he'll keep us feeling that shame, and it our, our self-worth will not be what it should be, um, right? When when we're in that shame, we can't heal. Uh, we can't recover. And so uh, we we need to share to shed a light on those secrets and to shed a light on shame. Um, once stuff gets out in the open, then we can start to heal and recover. Um, I This is not in my notes, but just, I don't know, it just came to me, so I'm going to throw it out there. Um, when you have a wound or an infection, uh, if it's, you know, like, I, I guess I'm thinking there, there was a great talk um, a while back. Oh, man. Oh, the I, uh, where he talks about the sliver. Yeah, right? Oh, and this. No, I don't think it was the sliver. Uh, Maybe. No, I think that... Uh, is he the sliver? I don't know if it was Elder Bednar okay. for sure. This is terrible. I'm, we'll find it and put fine. it in the We're show notes. But uh, I, I actually think it is Elder Bednar. Yeah, it is because... Uh, no, no maybe it's not. Because Elder Bednar had He's, the talk where with the kids... With the kids with the band-aids. With the band-aids and the, and the I, scrubbing. I think that he may have uh, had this talk too, but the, okay. there's a talk about uh, the sliver that gets under the skin and it gets infected and you can't get it out until he puts the salve on it and then it softens mm. the skin and the sliver is able to, hmm, to leave, okay. right? But like if you have a, a sliver under your skin, as long as it's in there, it doesn't heal, right? It can't heal. You it actually have kills. to dig down until you can see it and find it and, and pull it out. It has to be exposed. And yeah, if we don't expose that sliver, if we can't dig down to find it, and even though it's painful, that digging, if, if you don't do the digging, you can't heal from it. And I think sometimes sharing is part of that digging and exposing and, and getting the sliver out of there. Um, but... Uh, I I, really, I had a couple of Brene Brown quotes as well Sister because Brown, we're talking about I love you you know <laughs> sharing is vulnerability right and that's kind of her specialty um, she says vulnerability is the birthplace of love belonging joy courage empathy and creativity it is the source of hope empathy accountability and authenticity if we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives vulnerability is the path so we have to be vulnerable for for that healing and recovery to to take place for us to gain that deeper purpose um she also said uh true belonging only happens when we present our authentic imperfect selves to the world our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance and so if we're not willing to put ourselves out there who we really are what we're really going for then we can't have that sense of belonging. We can't truly connect to people if we're not being authentic. Yeah. Authentic. If we're not being who we truly are, then we can't truly connect. Um, and I listened to, uh, it's funny that this happened. I, I listened to a great talk just today. You know, we were going to go through this and it kind of changed the uh, direction of what I wanted to talk about. But it was by, it was a BYU-Idaho devotional, just a recent one by Christian uh, Malum. Uh, oh, you were telling me about this. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the title is authentically connected to heaven, um, and he talks about um, being true to uh, to our divine nature, to who we are, and being connected to heaven. And he also talks about a lot of the tools out there in the world to get us to be false. You know, he he touches on uh, the evils of advertising and how they portray us. You know how they make us think that we should be more than what we are or different than what we are. And their motivation is all to get us to buy something or, you know, yeah. they, they make us think that we're not enough. And he talks about social media and, and all these different uh, tools that the adversary uses um, to get us to be somebody that we're not, to get us to be hypocritical in a sense. Um, 
But I like, uh, and, and I really can't do justice to the whole devotional. You should go and listen to it. It's great. We'll oh, put yeah. it in the show notes because it's, it. it's, it's really awesome. But um, at one point he talks about um, a hymn that we sing all the time in the church. And he says, have you ever wondered um, what the line from the second verse of Now Let Us Rejoice means? He says, there's a line that says, we'll love one another and never dissemble, but cease to do evil and ever be one. And he says, have you ever wondered what that means? Never dissemble. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I've just always sung it and didn't wonder. I, yeah. Maybe I should have. Right. But uh, I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> he goes on to define uh, dissemble. He says, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, to dissemble means to alter or disguise the semblance of one's character, a feeling, design, or action so as to conceal or deceive as to its real nature. Huh. Um, if like we that. yeah, if yeah. we dissemble, we can never be reconciled to our own selves, let alone to each other. So you know, he says, if we never dissemble, then uh, you know, then we'll cease to do evil and ever be one. If we're true, if we're not, if we're dissembling, we're trying to deceive. We're not being true to who we really are. Um, and so yeah, I really like that. Um, we we cease to do evil and we can be one as we're commanded to be. Right one. Yeah. Uh, with other members of the church, one as a couple, one in purpose with our Heavenly Father and the Godhead. Um, and so we have one to cease. Yeah, one with our family. Yeah. We have to cease to dissemble if we want that to happen. We have to be vulnerable. Have we to have be to be real. authentic and real. And so I think that's part of the reason. How can we connect with our families if we're not being authentic? If we're not... If we're putting up all these yeah, walls. We're dissembling. We can't. We can't reach over. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of um, one of my, probably my favorite line from any of Shakespeare's writings or plays. Um, in Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3, uh, Polonius is giving some advice to his son Laertes, who's about to leave on a trip to Paris. And, um, you know, mm. as fathers do, maybe that could have Polonius, been the for today. what's that? <laughs> I said maybe that could have been the clue for today. Oh, uh, <laughs> that Hamlet's going to Paris? Yeah. Maybe. Um, so <laughs> It's kind of an inside thing. We'll tell you guys yeah. later. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, he gives this, as fathers often do, he kind of gets into the mode of lecturing and giving a lot of advice, you know, to his son. His son's about to leave, and so he's got a lot to say. I know my dad probably would do the same thing, and often does. He likes to give some good advice, and, and it is good advice. Um, but the last thing he says to Laertes before he leaves, he says, This above all, to thine own self, be true. And it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. I love that. I love that quote. Now, I know that there's probably... And oh, to any oh. woman. And to any woman. Thank you. Specifically this woman. Okay, <laughs> let's, make, let's make sure we got that clear. <laughs> I, I was assuming, you know, mankind, oh, right. anyone, thy neighbor. You couldn't have yeah. liked that quote oh. for that long. <laughs> I, Just barely started liking that quote. No, I've liked this quote for, but, for a long time. But you've now applied woman now to that. Yes. Right. Okay. I, I always kind of <laughs> assumed that he meant anyone. Hmm. Um but uh, it, what's interesting is a lot of Shakespearean scholars will tell you that this quote doesn't mean what I think it means. And I don't care. I, yeah, I, I rather like it the way, I, the, the way it's written, the way I think it is. They'll tell you Polonius meant something else. But what I think of when I read it is be true to yourself. Um, not, I'm not saying like think of yourself first. But be true to who you really are. Um, be true to your divine heritage. Uh, be true to your eternal nature. Be true to the infinite potential you have as a son or daughter of God. Um, and of course, if you are true to that self, then yes, it must follow as night follows a day that thou canst not then be false to any man or woman right. um, if you're true to who you really are. And so I love that. This above all to thine own self be true. Yeah. Um, Brother Malam goes on to say, when we dissemble or falsely represent ourselves, we, we're not only potentially deceiving others, we are deceiving ourselves. Self-deception is the kind of self-imposed blindness that can keep us from ever correcting the astigmatism of selfishness. And so... I love that. You know, if, if we're deceiving others, we're deceiving ourselves. And again, how can we expect to uh, 
overcome and heal and recover if we're living in self-deception. Um, so I think um, if you don't tell your family, you're dissembling. You're not being vulnerable. You're not truly connecting. You're not missing out. Or, uh, uh, sorry. And you are missing out on that connection. You're missing out on the benefit of their prayers and faith in your behalf. You're missing out on their concern for you, their love. Um, and so I think that you have to be authentic to move forward with recovery. And that's uh, the people it's most important to be authentic with is or are the people who love you most is your family. Um, so uh, that's the why. Um, you, and and that just kind of reminds me of like when you put up walls and kind of like what Brene Brown was saying, you know, that armor, when you put up a wall, you they people can't see you from the other side of the wall, but you can't see them either. You know, so it's like double sided. It's like a wall that, you know, you think you're protecting yourself and your pride. But then because you have that wall, you you can't see them either yeah. because you're not letting people see you. And so, so yeah, it, I mean, it's like what you're saying, you know, yeah. we need to have that connection, but, but I'm just thinking of it like on the other side of the wall. It's like, well, I can't, I can't expect to see other people if people, if I don't let people see me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the same principle applies. She talks a lot about, you can't numb painful feelings without numbing oh, the other uh-huh. feelings yeah. too. Right. It's yeah. kind of that same thing. You can't block somebody out uh, of what you're experiencing and still expect to have a meaningful relationship with them. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So uh, part two was how to tell people. And this will probably be different for everybody, right? I mean, I think the most important thing we could say is pray about it and follow the spirit. But I also maybe kind of wanted to share, like, I think maybe I we did it the right way and the wrong way in sharing with <laughs> our know, family. Many times. Um, well, yeah. By the we, time you end up sharing so many times, there's lots of different ways you can share. Yeah. For sure. So I think my first attempt, I would do differently if I could go back and do it again. Um, it was pretty early on in the process, and I I felt like I had to do it before I chickened out. Right. I was worried if I didn't tell family Somebody, right away yeah. that I would get caught back into that shame and I would come up with reasons not to do it. And so for... It's a courageous, you know, thing to do. You were afraid, but you're like, I I have to do it. So you took that step. Yeah. So I took that step. I would do it differently if I had... So with... with, uh, On my side of the family, um, we had a big family get together. Um, All of uh, my brothers, except one who lives in New Orleans... Uh, were there and sister-in-laws, all the nieces and nephews and my parents, you know, I think we were getting together. We, we get together usually every month to celebrate family birthdays yeah. and my mom cooks a dinner and stuff. Anyway, um, at one point, most of the cousins were playing and I said, hey, I need to tell everybody something, um, but I don't want tell you in front of the kids so can we go in the other room and so we crammed everybody into um like my parents little office and we were all just standing there and it was super awkward because everybody's we, looking there's like a big group waiting now. for an announcement yeah which we wish would have been like that hey we're, we're pregnant, pregnant or something yeah no but it wasn't it wasn't a fun announcement hashtag infertility sucks. and okay. so yeah and you know we had limited amount of time because at some point one of the kids is gonna Need something. Need something because yeah. there's a zillion of them. Um, and so I was kind of just hurriedly blurted it out, you know, like, hey, we're going through this. You know, I struggle with pornography addiction and I'm trying to get over it. And because of that, my wife is dealing with betrayal trauma. You may have never heard of that, but we really wanted you guys Ta-da. to know. <laughs> There it is, you know, like I, it was, uh, and you know, we talked a little bit more and I had thought about what I wanted to say. And so, and you know, my family reacted about as well as anybody could. They expressed a lot of love and support and hugs and hugs and they weren't judgmental, 
but that was that was my first experience doing it. It wasn't a negative experience, right. but I feel like it could have been better. And the reason I feel that is because um, with Linda's side of the family, um, they're all spread we, out. They're all kind of spread out, and we did it differently. And um, so with them, it was kind of a usually a one on one or at least a couple at a time, and we planned it during times where kids weren't around and there wasn't this pressure of like, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, we did it after kids were asleep or, you know, we had a babysitter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was plenty of time to talk through issues and answer questions and and give it a little bit more time. And, and it was a more intimate setting where I think it allowed us to be a little bit more vulnerable and authentic and it allowed them to, you know... Uh, Express their, express their feelings and, feelings and thoughts, yeah, and, and and advice and love and 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 things like that. So, um, I would say, you know, be patient with it, take your time, and and give it the the time it deserves. You know, um, if you have to make a specific plan for, you know, like, hey, we're gonna go out on a double date and we're gonna get babysitters for all the kids, and you know, like. I'm going to tell my brother and his wife, and it's just going to be the four of us or something, you know. Um, but I would recommend uh, finding a more intimate setting because it's easier to be vulnerable when there's fewer people and there's there's not pressure of uh, of other stuff going on. I, I, I think blurting it out to a big group is not the ideal way to do it, um, having done it now both ways. So because we, we did it that way with my family and then with Linda's family, you know, we had her mom. It was just her mom, uh, and then her younger brother came next, and it was just us and him. And then um, we we talked to her older brother and his wife, and it was just the four of us. And um, I'm so grateful that Linda was always there with me um, when we did this and that we were able to talk to them together. But anyway, so that was number two. Number three is kind of... How things went. I think let's save that. I've talked way longer than my five minutes and I apologize. (laughs) So we'll save that for after homework. Um, I was going to say, you know, there is something to be said about the one-on-one. You know, the Savior, that's how he ministered, one-on-one. Yeah, one by one. And and so there are a lot of different things that you can get from from that, you know, one-on-one experience and relationship and uh, setting. But I I do have to say that that you, I felt the spirit every time. So even when he blurted out and he felt like awkward and and maybe didn't get the support he needed right then from the family, like oh no, I, I there wasn't a lack of support or any like I still felt loved and supported. And I agree. I think I think the spirit yeah. was there. I still think it was it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I just I guess I'm thinking of like good, better, best, and that yeah. was definitely it was like a good thing to do, and so that's why I think we felt the spirit is like is, yeah. it's always good to be vulnerable, yeah, and to shine that light on secrets and shame, um, but I think it can be even more powerful um, done in the one yeah. one by one setting, yeah. But but yeah, I don't regret that I told them um, like that. I just I maybe would do it differently if I were mm-hmm. going back. Okay, so. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. Um, I like because I'm speaking from the betrayed side of things. Like for me, I think the first time that he told me it, like years ago, you know, um, the weight and the darkness wasn't as urgent, I guess, for me to hurry and tell people. I, I guess I just thought I was still in that same practice of like hide it, bury it, ignore it phase, you know? And so I was just used to, well, what else do I need to pack down there? I'll just do that, you know? Um, and, but I was experiencing betrayal trauma, you know, and all the, all the emotions and feelings that come with that. Um, and I didn't know it, you know? And so by the time that this uh, D-Day came around, I was mad at Satan. Like, 
you would not believe. Like I was taking out on Clark. I was taking out on my kids. Was, I was mad. I was like, we need to shout say, this just from like, yeah, we need to shout this from like the rooftops. We got to get out there and we got to tell everybody that way there is no shame ever again. And he can't use it against us. And, and I had like a serious urgency, like, like it was crazy. Like, I was just like, we got to tell somebody, we got to tell somebody, we got to tell people, we got to, and I know that Clark was not there and I, I wanted to respect his feelings about getting there to share, but because I thought that if he could get there to share, it would be more meaningful that way. Not because I didn't feel like I had a story, but because I felt like it would be better if we waited until he was ready so it would be more meaningful for us to connect more as well. Because if I'm just out there, you know, talking about stuff to the world and he's not really ready to share, you know, the adversary could use that against him too. Um, and, and I didn't want that. And I think that that's why I was waiting just, you know, not very patiently. <laughs> And so every time it would be like, so you going to talk to your family? Are we talking to your family today? Is it today? Are we doing it tomorrow? Are we doing it the next day? When, it was, when is it? Next week? What, when are we getting together and when are you going to tell them? So I know that he was getting that push from me too. And so there was a lot of pressure on you. And I'm sure, you know, um, blurting well, it out, you know, was a relief as well, but that when we did it with my mom and my brothers, um, it was harder because we kept having to push things back. (laughs) And when you have to push things back like this, I felt like it was just the adversary being like, see, you can't tell him. See, you just got to wait. Maybe you got to wait another week. Maybe you got to wait another week. And then, so don't, if you feel the time, if it's like that Mel Robbins, she says there's like that five second rule where if you don't act on a prompting, she doesn't say it's a prompting. <laughs> I say it's a prompting. If you don't act on a prompting, it's going to go away. And you're not going to you're not going to act. And so I felt like, okay, if we're getting the prompting, we need to act right away. Yeah, cuz so, that was part of our initial yeah. plan, right? Like D-Day, yeah. we said how what, you yeah. know, like we started talking, what are we going to do different? And one of the things we said is we got to we got to tell, tell people cuz that's the one on the thing that the we didn't do before. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, what I'm getting to is whether you blurt it out, whether you do one-on-one, don't let the, I don't know, don't let the adversary tell you that you got to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Because then, then you're not, if you don't act on that prompting, it is going to get harder to share. Yeah. That, and there won't be a perfect moment. And there's never moment. a perfect, perfect moment. That yeah. It's always like, even though I did it multiple times. You think it would get easier, like because it'd be like, "Oh yeah, I told these people, and they were really supportive <laughs> and loving and kind, and it was a great experience." And it was, yes. But it never made it easier for the next one. Every time, I still was like dreading it and being like, "Yeah, I remember." I gotta tell this person. <laughs> I remember and... we were telling my mom, and she was making a cake. She makes really delicious cakes, by the way. Shout out to my mom. And she was making this cake, and it was like eight. We got there at like a normal time. <laughs> And like she, she's a talker, so she'll talk your ear off. You don't even have to say anything, and like it's never awkward to talk to my mom because she's just go, you know, going. Sometimes it's awkward when you have to tell her mom that (laughs) you've been addicted to pornography. Then it is. (laughs) That's true. So that's that though. So so that's why. (laughs) That's why it was taking forever because my mom was just jabbering off. So you can't just blurt in like, by the way. (laughs) Pause. Pause. Can we interject and say something really weird and like crazy, but like super intimate and vulnerable and, you know, so, so yeah, we, I mean, I kept like giving him the eye, like, you know, I think right now is the time. That was my eye. Like, you'll have to watch the YouTube video to see what I'm doing. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like, no, now, like, go, like say it, but I couldn't say go, you know. And so, like, poor Clark, he's trying to figure out, like, when to, like, butt in the conversation because it's awkward, right, yeah. to just throw that in. There's well, never, like, a great moment. Nobody's going to be like, so what hard trials have you gone through this week, you know? Like, well, and when we, we, we took a trip to Florida to tell oh, yeah. your, your, your brother and his wife, 
And that was like kind of the main purpose of our trip. Now, obviously, we were yeah. excited to see them, and the the kids love going to Florida to visit their cousins. They ask us all the time, "When are we going to Florida again?" Yeah, and, you know, we've made the most of it. But like the reason that we were like, "Hey, we got to take this trip," is because we wanted to finally be able to tell our brother. And I kept wanting to tell him over the phone. I'm like, I'm just gonna like send him a text. <laughs> yeah, but but we were like, no, so, no. So we went to do it in person, and even then, like, it took us like a few days. Like we, that was the purpose of our trip. Dude, but the show and we was were, like, out already. We were like the halfway through the trip already. before we even yeah. told him. Yeah, the show was the show out. Show was out already. already it. I hadn't even told my brother, and I was feeling really bad. Like, oh no, he's gonna find the podcast somehow. I don't know. My brother, he's so good at finding stuff. And I was just like, he's going to find the show. Then I'm going to have to end up like being like, sorry, you didn't tell you. You know, so well, yeah. But yeah, we were there. And, and I, there was one night where like the kids were asleep and we were talking. And, and she kept giving me the, the <laughs> eyes thing. But it was like yeah. w- the kids were asleep, but we were decorating for a birthday. And yeah. I kept thinking like, okay, once we're done decorating for this birthday, then we're all going to sit down and chat. Because that's normally what we do when we visit. Like the kids will go to sleep and then we all like yeah. talk and play games or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, after the kids are in bed. But we decorated until like so late that as soon as we were done decorating, they were like, "Okay, we're going to bed." And I was like, "No, wait, wait, really quick. We just have something to blurt out at you." Yeah. And so I think Linda was actually like a little upset. She's like, "I "I thought you were gonna tell him," and I was like, "Well, I was gonna, but it felt like we were all doing stuff and up and around, and I didn't want to be like, "Hey, let's take a break and decorating." We're laughing about it now, but I was legit mad. I was, yeah. like, disappointed mad. I wasn't, like, mad mad, because, I mean, I knew that he was trying. But in my mind, I was just like, ah, oh, Satan won, you know? And I was just, like, disappointed that we, like, let him win or something. Yeah. Anyway, so. We did end up telling him on the trip. It just took a it little. It was not that I, night. I kept waiting for. The perfect the moment. The right yeah. moment. And it never comes. The yeah. perfect moment will not. And so, like, yeah. I knew, like, after that, I was like, okay, it's going to be awkward because it is every time. And so, yeah, yeah, when we finally told them, I don't think it was ideal then either. But I was just like, no. got to do it. But it was so. awesome. I mean, they gave, you know, they shared love and support and even gave some pointers, <laughs> marriage tips and all this fun stuff. So it was really cute and awesome. Um, so, but it, Abraham's a good Polonius in his old, in his own right. He's got <laughs> yeah, some for sure. advice. For sure. Yeah. No. So, so every time though, that, that we have shared, the spirit was there. So just know that every time you share, the spirit will be there. If you, uh, approach it, approach the Lord with, in prayer and just tell him like, look, I want to, I want to tell people, I just need to know when, when you're going to help me. Right. Cause that's really what it takes. Right. You just need to know that the Lord's going to be there for you, and then you can do it. Um, so that was kind of a little bit longer than than what I well, was going to talk about. Um, butting in, sorry. No, 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 you're good. So, so we talked about secrets and all that stuff. So, so that I had that also. So Sweet. that's good. Um, and then the one of the scriptures that I like in First Nephi. It always catches um, my attention because it's it's in First Nephi chapter eight verse twenty five. Um, it says, "And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, and what does the fruit of the tree represent? Love of God. Okay, they did. That's just me reassuring because I had that written down, but I wasn't one hundred percent. Which um, <laughs> you can take that farther, right? Love of God, which is him for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So really, the fruit of the tree." represents Christ and his atoning sacrifice. Okay, so. see, this is good. This yeah. is why he's, we're on the same team. Um, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. And I was, I'm, I'm always, like, shocked at this. This is like a vision, though. So, like, <laughs> shocked at somebody's vision. Um, that this was, this was a good thing to partake of the fruit, right? Why would we be ashamed if we're partaking of the fruit? Why would we be ashamed of... Being able to receive God's love and receive the atonement in our lives. And the only thing that I could think of was that the adversary was reminding us of all of our weaknesses and all of our sins and all of our shortcomings, that that is why we would become ashamed at that moment, because we feel the contrast from the amazing love that Heavenly Father has for us versus when we were disconnected. And doing something that was contrary to what we know to be true. And Satan loves to remind us of that, even though he wants us to forget uh, 
you know, the savior. And so it's like, that's why we might have felt ashamed because we weren't, we didn't think we were worthy of it, right? That must be one of those whispers, like you're not worthy of the atonement, you know, and you're not worthy to say prayers and you're not worthy of all this and you're not worthy of your husband and you're not worthy of your wife. And anyway, so all, so, so that's the only thing that I could think of, you know, that, that we'd be ashamed of and then we'd fall away. Like why would, so we'd be like, oh man, that love was amazing. We better not go there. We're messed up, right? That's messed up. How yeah. is that like a legit lie that we believe? I, and I wonder, you know, I, I, I think that's very perceptive. Uh, in the scriptures, it says, you know, like after they partaken, um, they looked up and saw the people in the great and spacious building mocking them, right? Mm-hmm. And making fun of them. Sometimes I wonder if we're ashamed, not because people are making fun of us, but because we think think that they might we think you know like oh yeah we, we so many times this, we think people our, are our judging shame us. our yeah. shame makes us think you know like why is it so scary to tell people because i think that they're they might be like you know great and spacious but oh yeah look at you you had this problem right i think sometimes we're our own great we're and spacious building yeah. right we're the people who are pointing fingers at us and mocking us and laughing it's it's our own pride right the the great yeah. and spacious building represents the pride of the world and i think sometimes like that's within us, right? Like yeah. the people who are pointing fingers and mocking is nobody but Satan. Us. Yeah, you know, whispering to us in our own voice, saying you're not good enough, you're not worthy. You know, like yeah, the atonement does not people, apply to you. People will judge you. Everybody's going to think that you're terrible and worthless. When in truth, you know, like most of the time they're not. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, Sister Brene Brown, gotta love her. She says. She uh, suggests that while shame triggers can vary between individuals and cultures, there are certain triggers that are more common than others, such as, and these are some things that people experience shame around, appearance and body image, sexuality, family, parenting, professional identity and work, mental and physical health, aging, religion, speaking out, and surviving trauma. This wide range of examples shows that shame can occur in all aspects of someone's life, underscoring the importance of shame resilience theory. So, um... And that's kind of what this article I found was saying about. And then it says that shame needs to be acknowledged and understood before it can be be overcome. Shame resilience theory reach, research suggests that shame is most harmful when it goes unacknowledged and is not spoken of. And so the only way uh, to become better and to overcome that shame is to get it out there. Just get it out. Uh, just like you're saying in the sliver, you know. Um, there's tw- 239 references in the scriptures about being ashamed. So we are certainly not the first people to ever experience shame. And um, it happened as early as the Garden of Eden, right? Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then uh, my favorite scripture that kind of goes with the being ashamed um, says that in First Nephi twenty one twenty three, it says the Lord tells us that those who wait for him shall not be ashamed. Um, and I love that because it's like, yeah, we're, if we wait for him, there's lots of different ways you can think of that. But in my mind, you know, waiting for the savior doesn't mean I'm sitting on the couch, like chilling, waiting for him to come sometime, you know? Um, but it's like an active wait. Um, it's like when, uh, we read, about John the Baptist mm, and yeah. how he was waiting for the Savior's ministry to start. And what did he do? He prepared the way for the Lord. And he was preaching and he was telling people about the Savior and what he could do for our lives and how he could uh, bless our lives. And as we wait for the Savior, we can share with others that light that hope that the Savior is giving us in our shame and in our recovery and in our healing, we can tell other people how we are trying to overcome our shame and help prepare the way for the Lord as well, just like John the Baptist. And it's definitely an active wait and not not a passive waiting. And so... I feel like when we share with our family 
the reason the spirit's always there is because we're able to also share with them how we're finding healing and how we are uh, trying to implement things into our lives that will protect us from the adversary. And, you know, and in this show that we're doing, you know, how many times do we talk about the hope that Christ gives us and the healing that he's helping us experience in our lives. And so, and, and the spirit's always there, you know? And so it's just, it's to me, it's just so powerful. um, The difference that I can feel just from before we shared, it was so dark. It was like uh, this song in primary we're learning uh, master the tempest is raging that is what i felt before we were sharing and it was so intense that when we first shared it was it was like peace like calm just like that glass over the you know over the water when the water's so calm it was just we hadn't shared with everybody we hadn't shared with the show, we hadn't shared like that at all, but it was just, I could tell the difference. And so I promise you that if you share, it will be a night and day difference in your life. You will be blessed for sharing with your family this struggle that you and your spouse are experiencing. It is going to be a physical thing that you can feel a change and supporting your spouse in their sharing is also a blessing both supporting them in the sharing of you know the addicted but also the betrayed you know i mean clark was the one that was sharing most of the of the time but then i was able to share some and he supports me in my sharing and that means the world to me the fact that you allow me to share not because you've given permission but because you support that decision to to share and you, you know it yeah. just it, it is a difference well, I think that's that an important part of the share right I, I think we're getting to a point where more and more people are starting to understand pornography addiction and how serious it is but I still think that not as many people understand betrayal trauma and how difficult that is to heal from and how how hard it is to continue on in your relationship, right? Like um, when you get to the point where you're sharing your addiction, a lot of people are already starting down that road to recovery. Um, and And so a lot of people look at the spouse and just think like, oh, you know, like you should be happy that your husband is now trying to get over this, right? And 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 while I'm sure that any spouse whose husband is is trying to work recovery is glad that they're trying to do that, there's still a world of pain and hurt and betrayal that they have to overcome and a lot of times it's fresh and new and hard and and so you know, often it's it's a difficult thing. And sometimes people have different reactions, too. Uh, some family members are like, why are you with this bozo jerk guy? You know, you should just leave him if that's the way he's going to be. And others are, you know, in the camp of, some people oh, aren't say, you so glad that now he's, you know, getting over this? And Or some people don't even think there is a problem with it because a lot of people go through it. Yeah. And they just think it's normal. And so to acknowledge that, I think, is an important part and try, try and help educate and so every time we shared yeah it was i kind of let off with hey this is something i've been struggling with and something i'm working on and i need your support and love and help and prayers and also i need you to not just pray for me but for my wife and i need you to understand that she's going through some really tough stuff and i acknowledged how amazing and awesome she is that she is still with me and supporting me despite the pain that I've caused her. Um, and so that was always part of our share is trying to talk about, Hey, this is, this is a real thing. And you need to know that we're both going to be struggling and we're, we're in this together and we're committed to go through it. But, but we've got 
we've got tough times and and we need your prayers and we need the savior's help to recover and heal from this so and i always appreciated that that you were willing to admit that you caused pain you know in me even though and then we can we can talk about this later or a different show but even though we are the ones that can choose how to act or react towards towards yeah. actions that our spouse does right so but yes but it's important it for is important to for us to take ownership yes what we've done okay so our homework yeah. homework oh, okay i wasn't sure if you yeah homework it should be pretty obvious i think at this point but uh (laughs) your homework is if you have not um shared with your family what you're going through uh you need to sit down and make a plan and do it um we're challenging you to get vulnerable and be authentic um and you know it might be hard it no it's gonna be hard it will be hard it might be even harder for you than it was for us. I don't know. You know, yeah. every family is different, and we feel extremely blessed to, you know, have family that was very supportive and loving. Um, and maybe yours will be, and maybe they won't be. But either way, it's important to be authentic and to get vulnerable. Um, and and so you know, start making your plan. Um, if you told them, what would you say? Um, Maybe you need to come up with a a worst-case scenario. Sometimes I would do that and be like, okay, what's the worst that could happen if I told my family? And then I figure out, like, okay, well, how would I deal with that? Um, And and maybe that's that's part of it. But your homework is um, to tell your family and, uh, and, yeah, yeah, make a plan, do it. And you know what? And we're going to be awesome. We're making this challenge and we don't want you to listen or watch the next episode until you have told your family. Now we know we might lose some followers for that or whatever, but that's how important we feel it is to share with your family. Um I've heard of stories where family members give really bad support and don't show empathy and don't show love. And you know what? The you're not sharing because you want a specific uh, result from them. Your sharing is for you. And that's what you should focus on. Um, because sharing, is, it's more for you than for somebody else. I mean, we did talk about how you can see other people when you share and and they can see you. But for the initial share, I feel like it's more for it was more for us to share than for them because they don't even know what to say, you know. I, let's be honest. <laughs> how many people have been trained in, you know, how to respond to <laughs> someone who's sharing their addiction with you? Yeah. No, no, there's no classes. I mean, that people just take in school for this, you know. So Nobody is trained in this. And so when you share, don't expect like some kind of like therapist response from your family who has zero experience with this kind of stuff. Although some of them might try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, just try and focus more on how it's going to feel for you to just get that out there. How how it's going to feel to get that sliver out in the open. Whether the comments of the sliver be big or small, it doesn't matter. But just to get that out there, I think that's that's what matters. Yeah. So, anyways, that that's our homework. Yep, that so. is the homework. And I think I think we've kind of touched on a lot of the other stuff that I was thinking we might talk about after the homework. It just kind of came up. But I mean, yeah, the the third thing that I was going to talk about uh-huh. was just kind of. The experience and what's come of it, and I think we've we've touched on that quite a bit. But uh, overall, it, it was positive every time. Yeah. Um, everybody expressed love and support, and so our experience was good, and we feel you know happy. But but Linda's right. Um, it it may not even change that much. You know, like I feel like for a lot of my family members, they expressed love and support when I told them. And then they try and avoid talking about it as much as possible. <laughs> or I don't even know if yeah. it's active avoidance. It's just like 
They, they don't How know do you what bring to it say. up in, yeah. in conversation, right? So, so how's your addiction going? You know, like, what are you, yeah. what are you supposed there to say? There hasn't been right? a, a ton of follow-up some, from some family members. Others, yeah. you know, like Other family members we are have actually some really that listen to the show and, and yeah. bring it up and, t- and say, oh, I really like this. And, you know, this has helped me. And um, I shared this with my kids and, and certain, you know. So, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. But other people might just be in a position where they're like, I don't know how to deal like, with that thanks thanks you know, you know i i'll pray for you and and that'll be great um my family has for the most part been awesome um yeah. they've sent me cool talks um some people have shared scriptures um i know my sister-in-law has sent have sent text messages of support and love yeah i know on more both. than one occasion people have um you know reminded me that they're praying for me and that that's a huge source of strength and so overall, we are so grateful for the love and support we've yeah. we've gotten from our family, and it's been amazing. Um, In the and we've even had, I was going to oh. say, we've even had some people admit to their own struggles, yeah, and say, you know, I really appreciate your courage. This is something that I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not an unc- as I've shared with more and more people. I've found that that's not an uncommon response um, from other men. Is hey, I've struggled with that. Or even, hey, I'm struggling with that too. Um, so you might find out, you know, be, be prepared. Sometimes vulnerability uh, bre- Opens it up. begets vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and when you're vulnerable with somebody, they're willing to be vulnerable with you. So anyway, um, anything else that we're missing? I think that's it. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for watching or listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next show after... You've shared with your family. Yeah, and throw a comment down there if you did and how it went because we're curious because, you know, we only know what we've done and we'd love to know how it went for you and what worked and what didn't work. So And we'll be praying for you. Yeah. P.S. If you haven't listened to the episode before this one and you want an empathetic reply or response, um... Think about sharing in a group setting because that is where it's at. That's where I was able to get all my feelings validated, all of my thoughts validated, all of everything validated. Um, and empathy was was always there and love and support from the group setting and from the therapist. And so if that's what you're hoping for, Share with a group first to kind of get that support, maybe. And then you can share with your family or share with your family. And then quick, go get your group on so that <laughs> you can get the support you need from them. But, yeah. I think there's a reason that we did go in the order of, like, hey, um, yeah, first share with, you know, maybe somebody safe, a, a really close yeah. friend. First it's then, small. You know, then, then, a, then share with a group people of that, people who are experiencing yeah. the same thing as you because you're going to find validation there. And then your family. Mm-hmm. And next week, we got, we're going to talk about kids. sharing with your kids. Oh, man, if you that's have kids. so exciting and super nerve If you don't have kids, I guess you can skip next week's episode. Yeah, there you go. Bonus. <laughs> Free one. Actually, you're not even allowed to listen to the next one or watch the next one until you do share with your family or some family. It could even just be one family member, but it has to be somebody related in some way. This is a long PS. (laughs) This is a very long PS. Okay, bye again. Bye.